guys, back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Monday, January 25th, 2021. I am joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Now I'm glad to be back, man. Getting close to the end of football season, though. Hey, Ben, you always already know we're glad to have you back on here once again. Um, football season is, in fact, almost over, which makes me very sad, but good news is we still got a lot of good stuff to talk to a lot of stuff went down on sunday um ben first off over the weekend um how those uh basketball games you gave the what to watch for work out for you (laughs) well um let's see so the first one i think i gave out was uh out of the big 10 which was i believe it was ohio state and um wisconsin and wisconsin and from a fan point, turned out to be a great game. Um, Ohio State did it. I mean, I got to say, like, I'm pretty fresh with Ohio State with basketball. I know, I mean, I, I haven't watched every single game of college basketball. I'm not 100% tuned in just yet. Um, I will be when football season's over. But, you know, to go to Wisconsin, I know that the fan situation's not always the same for every uh, university, but it's still a tough place to play. They love to play the slow pace game. And when they're at home, they're more comfortable at it. And Ohio State seemed to make them pretty uncomfortable. Um, that's how I would put it. Ohio State won a very uncomfortable game. They looked good. Uh, let's see. The other game I gave out was Missouri and Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And, listen, Missouri looks – Missouri is, is really, really good. Um, not that Tennessee isn't really, really good, but – the fact that Missouri could win at Tennessee in Knoxville is very, very impressive to me. Um, it, it's the same story with Tennessee, though. They, they play really good defense, but they just can't score enough points, really. It's kind of been their problem in all the games they've lost this year is they don't give up that many points. They only gave up 73 to Missouri, but scoring 64 points in a college basketball game is just not ever going to get it done um, against really good teams. And now it really sets up Real nicely, um, uh, Bama has a couple games to win before they play Missouri, but this Bama-Missouri matchup is setting up to be a beauty oh, yeah. of a matchup. Yeah, um, actually, I lost money on Wisconsin, unfortunately, in that game. Um, you know, Ohio State, like you said, they got a good team this year, kind of a no-show from them. Um, but, yeah, Bama, I actually did win money on Missouri in their revenge game versus Tennessee. And, yeah, Missouri it does have a real nice team. Conzo Martin knows what he's doing there with that team. Um, for me, my first one was the um, Florida State versus Clemson. And, you know, that game was fun for about five minutes, and then we just absolutely put it on Clemson. I still can't figure out what really happened to Clemson. Ever since the COVID shutdown, they're 0-3. I mean, I figured maybe if after one or two games they would get it together, but I mean that was absolutely pathetic. They laid down and we blew them out. And I mean, I think Clemson is a pretty good team this year. And the fact that Florida State put it on them like that makes me feel better about what Florida State has. Um, the other one I gave out was the Heat versus the um, versus the Nets, and the Nets absolutely smacked them. So was able to win both those. So that was nice, but. Fortunately, didn't do as well on the football side of things this weekend. Not a good weekend for me with the football bets, and that leads us perfectly into the football game. So, got to start things out with the first game of the day. 
And first thing that happened in that game, well, we won the over that I had, but Green Bay first half and Packers did not hit, obviously. Ben was also on the Packers with me in that game. Um, ben, what did, what did you – let's talk about the game in general first. I mean, what would you say was your biggest takeaways from the game for the Packers? It's got to be the coaching uh, coaching decision uh, by uh, LaFleur, but the lack of execution off of a turnover is also something to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let's let's start with the coaching coaching decision that LaFleur made. Uh, down eight points and decides to kick a field goal to make it to five to give the ball back to the greatest quarterback, I mean, that's ever lived. Uh, I, I know that there's a chance that the Packers got the ball back, but realistically, you know how um, every team does the exact same thing when they get the ball back two minutes or under. They run the ball until it's a third down, and all you have to do is get one first down. Well, I mean, there's not a quarterback alive I would rather have to get one first down than Tom Brady. He got it, and the game was over. It was easy as that. I, I don't understand the math that went behind Lafleur, but, you know, the head coach gets all the blame, but I, I want to point it to everyone. I don't know how many coaches wear a headset for the Green Bay Packers, but every single one of them is at fault, even Aaron Rodgers. How can no one, not one coach that wears a headset or Aaron Rodgers, go to LaFleur and say, what does a field goal do for us here? I I don't understand Mm -hmm. what five points does when you were down eight originally. You needed a touchdown to win the game. So, listen, everyone's at fault, but to my other point with the turnovers, the lack of execution off of them. Listen, Tom Brady played a magnificent first half, almost perfect, I would say, in the first half. Mm-hmm. Second half, he he really played awful. I mean, he did just enough to win the football game, but he threw three interceptions in one half, and the Packers, if I'm not mistaken, only got six points off of it. It's absolutely inexcusable, and those two things were the biggest things I took away. What about you? Um, yeah, you know, I got to obviously start with the coaching decision, like you said there. Look, I thought it was a poor decision by LaFleur. At the same time, though, the Packers still had plenty of opportunities to win that game. They got a couple stops, and they just kept on giving it back to Brady as they kind of got stuck in long situations and had really no choice but to pump the ball away. Um, look, I think it's easy to point that out and bash LaFleur for it. I don't think it's the greatest decision ever. Um you know, you know, I don't think it was the greatest decision ever at the same time. I don't think it was the worst decision ever. But at the same time, you know, you definitely are right. A field goal really doesn't do a whole lot for you there. There's still, though, a decent bit of time left on the clock, so the Packers could have a chance to get the ball back. But, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one that he definitely should have done something there to go for it. I mean, you got to give Rodgers a chance. When you have a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers is, you got to think he can come up with something there for you, maybe even get a pass interference or something. I did kind of like the fact that I know a lot of people complained, including me and you, about the fact that, there was a lot of plays that they could have called pass interference for Green Bay, but at the same time, I felt like they really kind of just let them play, you know, which I kind of like that a lot more in a big game like that. If you're the referees, you don't want to be the ultimate decision makers on the outcome of the game. You want the players to be the decision makers on the outcome of the game. Um, I feel I feel really bad that uh, kind of pointing this out here, but I just feel like Green Bay kind of choked. I feel like they didn't really show up in this game, and I feel like that's kind of been a common theme with Green Bay in general. I'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about kind of you know takeaways from both teams for these for these games total. But 
you know, I feel like Green Bay, that they, they really weren't challenged here for a while now that they kind of sleepwalked through the regular season. I feel like they didn't come out that great and they didn't start the game off hot. And on the other side of things, Brady and Tampa Bay did. You know, they came out hot and took advantage of what they needed to, kind of like you said, took advantage of those turnovers. Green Bay had plenty of opportunities to win this game here, and they couldn't seize any of those chances when it looked like they were completely out of it once Aaron Jones' fumble happened and they went down, you know, 28-10. to 10. I mean, it looked like this thing was over with, but they managed somehow to stay in the game and, Hats off to him for it, but I feel like the Green Bay, that, and the third downs, man. There's so many third downs that Tampa Bay was able to pick up. I thought that they did make a good idea by jumping off sides. I mean, Bruce Arians could have have, uh, declined that, but chose not to. But I felt like on third down, the Packers really got destroyed. I don't know what the exact numbers were for third down conversions for Tampa Bay, but I know Tampa Bay got a lot of third down conversions, and that really kind of hurt them. Um, From the Tampa Bay side of things, um, Tampa Bay was – Tampa Bay was nine of fourteen on third downs and one of one on uh, fourth downs. Yeah, see, that's not going to win you a big game. You got to do better than that. You got to dial something up, whether it's a blitz. I feel like you got to make some sort of play there. But from the Tampa Bay side of things, besides the fact that obviously they took advantage of those turnovers, I mean the Packers had some massive turnovers and Tampa Bay capitalized on all of them. What would you say, Ben, was the biggest thing Tampa Bay did to pull away in this one? How good their defense looks. Yep. Um, they pressured Aaron Rodgers all night long. I think they finished with 22 or 23 hurries in this game versus Green Bay's defense, I think, only had five or six on Tampa Bay. Um, they, listen, they took advantage of, uh, you know, one of the best tackles in football, Bakhtiari, being out. I mean, Aaron Rodgers from from the edges, um, uh, Shaq Barrett and JPP were all up in Aaron Rodgers' business all, all game long. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a fairly mobile quarterback, but he, he really just couldn't get away from these guys, and it was a theme all night long. Um, I, I mean, listen, the Tampa Bay defense has two of the best linebackers in football. I would say it's the two best when you pair them together probably, and they have three guys that effectively rush the passer. Um, they're safety, so one guy didn't play in the game, and uh, Whitehead, who had a big hit in the game, also went out, so they were down to their safeties. But, I mean, their secondary played pretty well. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. hard to keep – Adams and, and Rodgers and check for an entire game. This, I, I really don't think that's possible. But, I, I mean, they did a great job. Uh, I thought Carlton Davis did almost everything he could uh, on Adams. Adams is going to get his receptions. The dude's just always going to get open. So, But I, I, the, my takeaway with Tampa Bay defense, um, I do want to point out a play that Brady made that I, I think is going to get looked over a lot and, because it was an incompletion, but – Late in late in their drive, I believe it was their second to last series. Uh, they tried to set up a screen and it, it wasn't there. He threw it down into the into the uh, I was going to say the dirt, but to the grass immediately. And Tampa Bay got the field goal out of it, and it it's a big field goal when you add points late in the fourth quarter. Um, so I think I mean, listen, Brady. I thought Brady played. I mean. He played well if you just watch the game and not look at the stats. I mean, his first half was really, really nice. He was making every pass just absolutely dominating the football game. And then they just kind of made adjustments, uh, the Green Bay defense did, and, and Brady threw a couple picks. But, you know, one was off Mike Evans's hand, so I mean, they're not all on Brady. But my biggest takeaway was how great the, the Tampa Bay defense looked. I mean, they've been great all year, but they really, really looked good um, in the pass rush end. They're going to need a great pass rush again um, against Mahomes. 
Yeah, I agree with you completely. Their pass rush came through at the biggest times that they needed it, especially I felt like too at the beginning of the game. You know, on that third down, you felt like Rodgers was about to get out of the pocket and make a throw. What well, do you know? Shaq Barrett pops up. thought they did a good job at just coming, starting out hot. You know, like I was expecting Green Bay. Green Bay had been the hot team all season long. That was the first time pretty much all season long they've been held under 14 first half points and you know they came out and they kind of they said we're going to be the ones to start hot and we're going to be the ones to get going you know a big part of what I was talking about on Friday when we broke down the game was I thought Green Bay was going to come out and start hot none it was the exact opposite here and it was, I feel like it was the Tampa Bay defense they were able to get the ball over to their over to themselves quickly they were able to capitalize on a lot of big plays but you know, I, I don't want to sit here and praise Tom Brady, even though he threw three, t- three touchdowns. He still threw three interceptions. He looked pretty bad in the second half. Um, but at the same time, you know, I kind of like the way that they use their weapons. Like, I felt like in the red zone that they used Brait and Evans really well. And then in the kind of in between the 20s, that they used uh, Chris Godwin to kind of get him up and down the field. I thought they did a really good job at splitting things up like that. Um, thought they did a good job as well as keeping it balanced with both backs on the ground, even though they didn't run for a ton of yards. But at the end of the day, they used the exact same formula they used to beat New Orleans. They used their defense and they forced turnovers. That Tampa Bay defense it was a unit to be reckoned with, kind of that we had talked about all season long. Me and you both really high on that Tampa Bay defense. They ended up coming through for them in this game. But you know, to kind of talk bigger picture on both these teams, let's first, well, actually, yeah, let's flip things back and go back over to Green Bay here. You know, Ben, I hate saying this because I like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's been a fun guy to watch and everything. But Aaron Rodgers now is 1-3 in in NFC Championship games. And, you know, he's come up short very many times in the playoffs. I felt like this was probably his best chance he's had to win the NFC. And quite frankly, even though he does have one Super Bowl under his bed, I think we're going to look back on Aaron Rodgers as one of those guys who was incredibly talented, had a great career and everything. But at the end of the day, he came up short in the big games and could never get over the hump in the big games. I feel like this was probably Green Bay's best chance they've really had, period, to win the NFC. You know, even that year when they lost the Falcons, I mean, the Falcons were always the best team in the NFC. Um, the year when they lost the Seahawks to the onside kick, I feel like that was probably their next best chance they had. I mean, that one wasn't on Rodgers. That was more on defense and coaching. But still, you know, the onside kick and the fake and the fake field goal got them in that game. Um I just feel like that that Rodgers, you know, I'd love to blame a lot of it on McCarthy, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's got to come back to, you know, you can definitely put some of the blame on both of them, but at the same time, you know, I just feel like that Rodgers' career, you know, is going to be always, you know, looked at as that he was a really talented, great player, but he could never get over the hump and win, do what he needed to do to win the big games. I mean, he's, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play football. Um should be on everyone's for talent wise. He, he's probably top three, top four on every single person's list that you would say to me. He, I, he's the most talented quarterback. I, I've, I mean, I guess second most now that Mahomes is in the picture now. Um, I mean, he can do anything with a football, but I mean, listen, he's going to add another MVP to his resume um, this year, but you know, the ultimate team goal, it's a team sport, is to win the Super Bowl. He's got one, but, I mean, if he if he sticks around in Green Bay, which he's under contract, but he, he can um, make things difficult for Green Bay and kind of request the trade if, if he wanted to. But, I mean, this Green Bay team, is just, it's not going anywhere. Um, and I think they're going to be a lot more aggressive in their draft process than they were last year because, you know, if you look at last year's team, they went 13-3. and three. Uh, I think they were the second – I think they were the two seed in the, in the NFC last year, if I'm not mistaken. 
and they lost in the NFC Championship, finished 13-3. and Then this year, they were the one seed, lost in the NFC Championship, finished 13-3. and But when you go back to their draft, right? I mean, they didn't, they didn't draft a single player that ended up playing significant minutes for the offense this year. Mm-hmm. So they pretty much had the exact same team and got the exact same results. So I don't know how much that shocks people, although they were – they looked like the best team in the NFC going into that game. Yeah, um, I agree. So, I, I mean, listen, I, not that Lazard or Valis Scantling played bad. I mean, they didn't. Valis Scantling had over 100 yards. He had that long touchdown reception. And I thought Lazard played just fine. I mean, he, he was getting open. I, I look for them to add a legit number two receiver. And, and really, I mean, that's the only thing this offense is missing outside of what they were missing in injuries. But – I mean, listen, they, they, it's a good enough team to compete for a Super Bowl right now. But the fact that they have the opportunity to add more, I look for them to do it finally. Um, so we'll see. I'm interested to see in their draft process. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, which I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere, then the future of this team is the exact same. They're in win-now mode, and they're one of the top two teams in the NFC, maybe top three them saints and the bucks they're i mean they're they're within the best teams in the nfc so i mean listen i think rogers is going to get another crack at another chance at a super bowl it's just you know but i agree with you the fact that he's one in three in uh chances to get to the super bowl i mean it's not great when you look at his talent level and some of the teams he's played with he he, he has the players around him that's good enough and he is still good enough so i think as long as he comes back i think as long as they bring most of the team back i think they're in the same boat as they were this year, as they are uh, get, as they are going to be next year. I don't think there's anything to, you know, freak out about with the Packers. They didn't get it done. It, they didn't get it done again. But at the end of the day, they're going to have a tremendous opportunity to try again next year. Yeah, I'm definitely at the nail on the head. They're definitely going to have a tremendous opportunity to get another crack at it. Um, the window is definitely closing soon, though, for Rodgers, and you know he's definitely still has a chance to kind of reverse all that, but. As but but right he now. doesn't. But he doesn't look like he's getting that much older, though. No, not at all. I will say not this, like though, not like Matt Ryan has shown his age. Yeah, no, not at all. And plus, too, you know, the one thing that I will say is he does use athleticism as a decent part of his game, which kind of, you know, just the way he moves around the pocket and stuff. So that could come back to bite him. But I mean, I think Rogers still has two or three good years left in him. And I mean, as long as Rogers is a fighting chance with his coaching and everything, the way they play, especially the way they run the ball now, power run the ball. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure that I have the confidence that he's gonna finish out in Green Bay. And on his contract, I believe he's got three years left. I agree with what I heard from. I believe he was Field Yates, and by his gut reaction, he thinks Rogers is gonna give it one more go. Give it one more go with Green Bay. If they don't even get to the NFC Championship, or if they don't even get to the Super Bowl next year, then at that point, I think he can kind of say what Harden just said, maybe phrase it a little different, but like, what else can I do? I have a, I have one of the best receivers in the league. I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, our, our team, it, listen, it's a team game. It does not fall all on Rodgers, even though that they had the chances. I mean, I can make a lot of good points. Um, saying Kevin King is the reason they lost this game. He was, he was atrocious in this yeah, game. He got I mean, abused. he got abused. I mean, he gave up two touchdowns, and I believe he gave up in total, like, f- I think he gave up two more big third-down conversions. So there was four plays on his on his name. And Rodgers doesn't play defense, and that's kind of been the problem in Green Bay since he's been there. 
even really since Favre was there. The, the, the offense has always been better than the defense in Green Bay. I mean, listen, you, it, it's tough to beat Tom Brady when you're only going to pressure him five times or five or six times, I think the number came out to be. I mean, he's going to torture you if you don't get pressure on him. So I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around, but definitely Rodgers deserves some of it. The coach deserves some of it. Um, Kevin King deserves some of it. It's They just didn't get it done as a team. But I, I think Green Bay is good enough to compete and even win a Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The one thing is, though, Aaron Jones will be a free agent. I doubt that they're going to bring him back. A.J. Dillon ran the ball pretty well whenever they need him. I'd say he's probably the only draft pick that really contributed that much. But, I mean, they didn't use him much in the playoff games. You know, they kind of used him when Jones was banged up or when other guys were banged up. So, kind of goes along with what you said. Um, kind of on the Tampa Bay side of things, though, I mean, how crazy is it, man, that Tampa Bay was able to get this far and do what they did? I mean, I feel like – well, I guess when they got Antonio Brown, me and you were both saying they're the best team in the in the NFC, and then we were back on the Packers. Now it's back to Tampa Bay, and you know it's kind of funny. Before the season started, I predicted Tampa Bay would play Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Now I would say for probably like eighty percent of the season, I didn't actually think Tampa Bay was going to make it there, and that prediction was going to be right until the game ended yesterday. And you know it's kind of weird. I feel like Tampa Bay never really surged and was like that dominant and that great of a team until literally they got here in this game, you know? Like, I feel like the Tampa Bay just, like, barely got by. Like, I mean, even at the end of the season, yeah, they won those last three games to close out after their bye week. But I would say that bye week kind of saved them, you know? They looked like they were struggling and they looked tired and kind of, you know, fatigued there at the end of the season. I'd say that late bye week really helped them make this run. But, you know, I feel like every single team, you're kind of like, this is when they turn it on, you know? I feel like they have the turning point. I feel like Tampa Bay never really had it. I feel like their turning point was honestly against New Orleans last week, which is weird that the team will have it that late in the season. But for Brady, man, I think Brady cemented himself as, I mean, Mahone's got it. We'll talk about it at the end because I think Mahone's got another crack at him here. But Brady's trying to make, make it known that he's the best player to ever play the game. I mean, I think what he did yesterday, it's going to be pretty hard to – say anybody's better than him but it's just crazy to see him and Gronk play, playing in the NFC championship for another team after they dominated the AFC for so long that's just it's just crazy the Tom Brady effect and how good he actually is I mean yeah he I wouldn't say he played the greatest game ever because he looked off in the second half but somehow they got it done with Brady on the team once again you know this Bucks team definitely had their up and downs like we have the, the famous picture of him sitting on the bench against New Orleans where there's kind of like I made the wrong decision. Then there was another one, too, you know, when he freaked out on that offensive lineman in the Bears game when they lost. I mean, just looking back on all the moments and everything, it's just crazy that Tampa Bay was able to get here and do this. But Tom Brady might be the greatest player to ever play the game. What do you mean, might be? Hey, I, look, I think we're still watching the Michael Jordan of football play with Patrick Mahomes, and I think he's going to be able to dethrone him. But Dude, God, this, man, this man has gone to 10 Super Bowls. And he's going for his what? He's going for his seventh. Uh, yeah, seventh ring. I mean, here's the deal: Mahomes is is the most talented guy to touch a football. I, I think a lot of people would agree with that. But at, at, right now, he's got one Super Bowl and he's got an MVP. So, I mean, he's he's not close to Brady. He's not. I mean, for him to be, I I, I know like. Well, go ahead. Go ahead with your Yeah, well, I don't disagree with you on that. See, that's why I don't want to argue this, just because, you know, Mahone's still got, obviously, a lot of football left to play. He's still got right. a lot of time. Right. It depends what he ends up doing. Yeah, but I just feel— 
I just feel like they're predicting on. now that we're seeing Michael Jordan play. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's we're fair. watching the greatest that's in front fair. of our eyes. But I mean, hey, it's awesome that we're going to get to see them both face off. Because I mean, to be huge for the legacy, I want to kind of talk about about that more of the so though at the end. Yeah, I mean, listen, Mahomes is going to play for a lot longer than Brady's going to play. Brady is definitely towards the end of his career, but he's still winning, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's he's the undisputed goat and it's not even up for a debate in my opinion. It's not even close right now. I mean, Mahomes needs a couple more Super Bowl titles to be in it. But here's the thing, I agree with you on Mahomes. If you would say that Mahomes is on pace to be the greatest of all time, then 100%. He's been the starter for I think 3 years now. And he's played in three AFC Championship games, and he's two and one in those games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, he's he's well on his way, but he's got to stay healthy, and he's got to sustain the success because Brady's done it every year of his entire fucking career. I mean, there, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. what he's been able to do doesn't even make sense. There is no player in a sport that is this hard to win that should have the success that, uh, that Brady's been able to amount to. And it's just all the credit in the world to him. Um, so, listen, the Bucks. I agree with you. I mean, they, they may have not peaked at all this season. They kind of stayed the course. It got better and better and better. But they've had a top 10 defense all year. I think the Bucks defense ranks like 8th or ninth all season long. And, you know, they, they gave Brady a lot of weapons. But this is why you bring a guy like Tom Brady in, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, people joke about it. Could Jameis Winston put up the numbers that Brady just put up? But it's it's such a different vibe that when Brady gets brought in, it's it's a winning. It's the most. It's the winningest culture of any player in the history of the game that you brought in. He makes everyone around them better, and that's what the great ones do in every single sport. That's what they do. That's why he's an MVP. That's what MVP stands for. Most valuable player. Brady is that. I know that Rodgers is going to win it, but there is no more valuable player in the league than Tom Brady. And he did what he always does, is bring a winning culture to the team every single season. And good news for Bucs fans is he signed for two years. So he's got one more year if he wants it. Um, We'll see. If he can win it against Mahomes, I'm very curious to see if he rides out on top, winning a Super Bowl at home for the first team ever. Um, But it's just such a joy to watch Tom Brady play. No, absolutely, and I mean, that's honestly the, the craziest part, Ben, is the fact that we get to live through and watch this performance and everything. I mean, this is, uh, I'll, I'll get into it at the end, but I mean, this is, it's, it's going to be a huge game. I mean, this is honestly the best matchup we could have asked for for the Super Bowl. I'm so glad, honestly, this is the matchup that we get. Also, by the way, too, Mahomes only has nine losses in his career, so Brady can get him, can put him in double digits right here if he can beat him, beat him in two Sundays. Um Speaking of uh, Mahomes and everything, Kansas City, um, let's talk about that game, man. I mean, first off, Buffalo got out hot, went up 9-0 in the first quarter. But, I mean, Ben, did you feel the same way I did? Once it was 7-9, and did you really think Buffalo even had a chance anymore? Not, no. I mean, listen, I, I think I, I texted you, and I think even the announcers had said it. Like, Kansas City is very accustomed to going down around 10 points mm-hmm. in these games. Um when I saw that the Chiefs to get to seven, their first touchdown drive, the way how easy it looked, I was like, "This game's." I mean, it's it's pretty much over. I mean, it's in it's it's not insane because we know how good the Chiefs are. Like we know that they are that much better when they play their game than everyone else in the league. And 
you know, in reality, it's it's almost like the Chiefs are what the Dodgers were of this past season in baseball. And the Bills, I guess we're going to say, were the Braves. It's The Bills are a very good team. There's nothing to hold their head down about, about the season that they just had. They were tremendous all season long. But the Chiefs and the Dodgers were just that much better. Yep. At the end of the day, they're that much better. When the Dodgers added Mookie Betts, they were that much better than everyone else in the National League. When the Chiefs just, I mean, they didn't really add anyone that made them over the top. But Clyde edwards Laird was a big, he was big for them all year when he was healthy. And it's just, Mahomes is just that much better than everyone when he plays his game. I mean, I had the prop bet, I said it on a podcast, Travis Kelsey over seven and a half. He had, he almost had that in the first half. Yeah. I mean, the, this he's always open. Tyreek Hill is also always open. And, you know, the Bills, they played a lot of zone coverage and you can't play zone coverage against these guys. I don't really think you can play man coverage either. I don't know what you do, but they torched the Bills zone coverage all game long. Ty- I mean, seriously, if there, if you added another quarter to this game, Travis Kelsey might have had 50 targets. I mean, he was getting the ball every single time yeah. in this game. Let me see what he – do you remember what he ended up with? I can find it right yeah, now. Yeah, Kelsey I'm on the ended game. the game with 13 catches for 118 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, on 15 targets. So, I mean, he had 15 targets and Tyreek Hill had 11. So, listen, they proved that these two guys were unguardable. We we already knew that. And we already knew that they were that much better than everyone else in the AFC, really the mm-hmm. entire NFL. And they proved it. They have one more game to prove it. They're, they're the favorites in this game. They they absolutely deserve to be the favorites in this game. And if they play their game, they're going to win into the Super Bowl because their A game is that much better than everyone else's. Yeah, um, you said it best, Ben. I mean, Buffalo played well. Buffalo is like the Braves, man. They're going to be they're young. They're up and coming. I mean, nothing to hang your hat on here for Buffalo. If anything, they got some great experience. And you know, the good news is for Buffalo, Patrick Mahomes' big contract is going to hit it next season. So. They're going to get, be able to get it a little bit cheaper. I mean, they're going to have – Kansas City's not going to be able to pay everybody, so they're going to have a chance, yeah. you know what I mean? They're going to have a better chance, obviously, with Kansas City not having as low as a roster. But you just got to give your hats off to Kansas City, man. I mean, we all kind of, including myself – actually, not you, but me. I kind of fell under the uh, – Kansas City hasn't covered since week nine versus the Jets. Kansas City kind of sleepwalked through the regular season, which they did. You know, we all want to believe that teams can just turn it on when they need to, but until they actually do it, it's kind of a scary thing. Mahomes had the concussion all week. I mean, I felt like an idiot for going against Kansas City. I even told you I didn't feel good about it, but I had to do it and did not work out. You know, I mean, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, we, we, you just said it best. This team's too dominant. They're too good. They got way too many weapons. Um, from Buffalo's side of things, you know, yeah, Josh Allen finally threw that interception in the red zone, but I thought Buffalo did a good job. You know, they moved the ball up and down the field. They t- took advantage of the one Kansas City turnover they got, but at the end of the day, Kansas City's just so damn dominant. It's too hard to go into Arrowhead and beat this team in the playoffs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes now has only ten, only nine losses, one of those being in the playoffs, other eight coming in the regular season, only one loss this year. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy to think about. But, I mean, this Kansas City team is, like you said, they're just an offensive juggernaut. I mean, Kyrie Kill and Travis Kelsey are so good. You know, we saw Sammy Watkins is out. It literally did not even matter that Sammy Watkins is out. As long as they got Hill and Kelsey in there, they're just absolutely unbeatable. I mean, Hill is just way too fast. I mean, the fact that that guy from Buffalo even caught up to him and was able to stop him on that long t- on that long catch that was almost a touchdown, that to me was crazy enough. 
Um, they didn't even have Le'Veon Bell in here, and it didn't even matter. You know, and it's kind of weird how they've been using Darrell Williams when you have have uh, Edwards Hilaire and you have Le'Veon Bell. I mean, those two guys have been a non-factor pretty much for them this season, and we thought those were the guys that put them that much more over the top. That's how good this team is. It doesn't matter who it is. They have speed for days, and they have mismatches for days with Kelsey in the middle. Um, now we can kind of get to uh, more so what the, we were discussing earlier. I mean, obviously for Buffalo, build on it for next season. But the biggest takeaway for Kansas City, man, is they really have a chance here to cement themselves as one of the best teams in the NFL over the last three years. I mean, first year with Mahomes, they lost in a crazy – D4 doesn't line up in the neutral zone. This might be them going for a three-peat. You know, that, imagine how great that would be if they are going for a three-peat here. Still, though, Kansas City dominated last year, wins a Super Bowl. This year, they lost one game to the Raiders in a crazy game. And now they're back here again to possibly go, to possibly have to be a one-loss team here to win the Super Bowl. I mean, like you said, they have the most valuable player in the league, even though he's not going to win the award here with Mahomes. But this is Mahomes' chance. You know, and also this is Brady's chance too. If Brady beats Mahomes here, even if Mahomes were to get more rings than him, I don't think we can ever say that Mahomes is better than him as much as I would want to and say he's more talented. I mean, if a 43-year-old Tom Brady is able to beat Patrick Mahomes in his prime, there's just no way that we can ever say that he's better than him. There's no way we can ever say anybody's better than Tom Brady if he's able to win the Super Bowl at 43 years old. I mean, it's going to be the craziest story ever. On the flip side of things, though, for Mahomes, this is his one chance at redemption, and this is Andy Reid's one chance at redemption, too, against Brady. You know they've been sitting there thinking about that. I don't think they even thought they would ever get a chance to redeem it, but here it is on the biggest stage. In Tom Brady's house, not to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, know, from a- how many times do you think think that they're going to mention that this is the first time ever a team's gotten to play at home in the Super Bowl? They'll mention it a lot, but I will say that it is, <laughs> it's it's deserving of its recognition because it's never been done before, right? And it, I mean, there's been 54 tries at this, and on the 55th try, I mean, of course, Tom Brady's the first one to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for Mahomes, I mean, his what is there to build? I mean, it's, it's another Super Bowl. This is not probably not even going to be his last Super Bowl appearance. Um, but you do in this league, in this career, you do have to take it one year, one game at a time. And, I mean, this is just another chance to add to the history of Bookster Mahomes. I really don't have much to add on terms of his legacy. Um, I think there's a lot of people in the NFL that are very happy for, for Andy Reid. Uh, I know that Andy Reid has a lot of respect for a lot of players and a lot of coaches and a lot of GMs in this league. Um, they were really, really happy for him that he got to win at least one Super Bowl, um, you know, last year. But, I mean, listen, him and him and Mahomes could easily be in this thing every single year if we're being honest with each other. So this is a tremendous matchup for a lot of reasons. But, you know, it's – Mahomes' legacy is, is going to be written over the next decade plus. So I don't have much to add in terms of what he can add to it. He can add another Super Bowl ring to it. That's what he can add. He's already the best player in the league, I would say, by far. Um, I would say that's a unanimous take. I think you could ask every GM in the league who the best player is, and you would get Patrick Mahomes as the answer. So I really don't have much more to add in terms of his legacy. His legacy is still being written. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch this one play out. Um yeah, I, I honestly am so glad we were in to be in this matchup. 
Then if you could choose any Super Bowl matchup excluding the Falcons, because obviously we'd both choose the Falcons, um, what would you choose from this season? The one we have. That's what. Well, that's the answer I wanted easily, to hear. Easily, because, you know, I, I don't understand much of the hate that, uh, you know, people give Tom Brady. Why do you not want to see the greatest player of all time continue to succeed until he says, I'm done? Like, I, why? Why are people rooting for this man? I get that he's been a, he's been involved in a lot of cheating scandals. He's he's won enough, as some people say. But like, does winning? I mean, people say that to me with because I'm an Alabama fan. I went to uh, Alabama. Like, you know, Nick Saban can he just retire and give someone else? Like, does winning ever get boring? Like, it's like you know, it's the dumbest take. Like, mm-hmm. if if you were Tom Brady, you were still playing at the level he's playing, which. You know, I'll be the first one to admit he's not playing that great in the playoffs, but he is getting the job done, and that's all that matters, right? If you're still able to win, then why would he retire? Like, I wouldn't retire if I was Tom Brady. If his health is is able is giving him uh, the ability to play, if his family is still okay with him, then he should play until his body or until his family wants him to quit because he's still winning at the highest level possible. So this is the greatest matchup that I would that I would ask for the greatest player of all time versus the most exciting player in football to watch. Yeah. Um, I agree with you completely on that one, Ben. I mean, to be honest with you, I absolutely hated the Patriots. I never wanted to see them in the Super Bowls ever. I hate Brady too, for what he did to the Falcons. In that but, Super but can Bowl. I, let me ask you this though. The fact that you hated the Patriots continuing to go there, did you respect it? Absolutely. I mean, you got to respect that a team that's able to that's dominate that and get to Super Bowls, yeah. you know? Like, Atlanta, like, we hadn't gone back to a Super Bowl in what, like, I think like 15, 16 years. I mean, there's teams like the Texans who have never even been to a Super Bowl, just to name one of the many teams that never have, you know? Like, the fact they kept on going, you, I mean, you absolutely had to respect it, but you hate it. Same thing with the Warriors, although I'd consider the Warriors and me being a big basketball guy like my guilty pleasure, you know? I hated the Warriors, but every single time they were playing, I was running to the TV to watch them because it's such beautiful basketball. But... This was the one time I actually wanted to see Brady get to the Super Bowl, you know. I thought that it'd be a great story and everything to say that we got to see 43-year-old Tom Brady go back to a Super Bowl. I mean, it's absolutely crazy this is happening. I'm even more happy that we get to do to see it. So, yeah, I'm in agreement with you on that one. If I were to pick any matchup excluding, obviously, the Falcons, this is what I would have wanted to see in the Super Bowl. So, this would be a fun one to watch and everything. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we get up out of here? Um. Are we doing another podcast? This, I guess our next podcast will be uh, to break down the Super Bowl, but it won't be this week. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah see, the weirdest thing right now for everyone listening with talking about sports and stuff right now is usually by now, you know, the NBA, we're about 30 games deep, 25 games deep, you know, so you got some good storylines. I mean, besides the James Harden trade, you really don't want it. We don't want to sit here and, you know, argue back and forth about NBA stuff because, I mean, so much can still change because they're so early on in the season. You know, like there's still teams that I think still have a lot to figure out. I will say this, actually, one thing that became official is the MLB decided not to adopt the DH. I think we can throw that in here real quick and talk about it. Um, yeah. obviously I'm pissed off about it because the Braves now probably won't be re-signing Marcelo Zuna but besides that obviously being it Ben do you think this is a stupid choice for the MLB not to adopt this adopt it so I'm very disappointed in the decision um but I don't think it knocks the Braves totally out of the Marcelo Zuna sweepstakes um he is not a great defender for the people that follow baseball but um you could still sign him and his bat is good enough but 
So we'll see what the Braves do. But I, I am disappointed. But I believe that the um, agreement between the Players Association and the owners is up after this season anyway. So I think renegotiations are set to happen after this coming season. So I think the DH will be permanent after this season anyway. My biggest thing, um, you know, for being disappointed is is baseball is trying to grow the game. They continue to say that they're trying to grow the game, trying to keep the younger generation interested, but there's no universal DH. People complain about grand slams being hit on a 3-0 count or even just when people swing on a 3-0 count. People complain about bat flips. People complain about, um, you know, just just everything. Just all these young players. A lot of the time it's these um, Latin players that play with a lot of excitement. They play with their heart on their sleeve, as the saying goes. And it's good for the game. And all MLB does is just, is just take it away. You know, they make a rule where you can't do this, can't do that. It's just, I don't know, they say they want to grow the game, but what are you doing to grow the game? This is a sport where there's no helmet, there's nothing covering these guys' faces, yet the best player in baseball, which is the unanimous decision, uh, unanimous answer, Mike Trout, I feel like a lot of people don't know who, I mean, they know who he is, but I feel like a lot of people don't follow him. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to do with the fact that he plays on a team that doesn't really make the playoffs, but... Mike Trout sits in an L.A. market. I know that there's a team in L.A. in LA that's bigger than him, but he still plays in a massive market out in L.A. He's the unanimous best player in baseball, and you don't really see him in a lot of commercials, right? Like, you don't see him yeah. marketed that. I get that he doesn't play with a lot of, um, you know, he doesn't do a lot of bat flips. He, he really respects the game, which maybe that's a reason why, but he's the best player in baseball in a big in a big market. It shouldn't be that hard to market this guy. Um, so there's just a lot of things that I complain about the MLB in terms of marketing. I think they've done a really, really bad job over the years, but we'll see. Uh, a universe, no one pay, no one pays to go to a game to watch a pitcher. I agree. Go and go to the plate. I mean, a lot of the times these guys can barely lay a bunt down. They they can't hit the ball. Most of them. There's a, there's a couple that can hit the ball. It's, and they don't run the ball out even if they do hit it. So I don't know what the pitcher hitting brings to the game. You know, people used to say there's a strategy in the game. Well, I've been a National League fan my entire life. I've been a massive Braves fan since I was born. And I don't know what strategy there is in the game anymore. I mean, it, 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 that part has faded out. So I continue to be disappointed with baseball's decision, but – Listen, this was the players saying no to the DH. I don't know why they said no. I'm sure it has to do something with money or something uh, more along the lines that that has to do more than just saying no. Um, So I'll have to read into that, but I continue to be very disappointed in MLB's decision. Yeah, I'm beyond disappointed in the MLB's decision. I feel like they're dealing the Braves kind of a foul hand here because, I mean, if you're going to allow it, why are you going to allow it next year but not this year? It needs to never be allowed if they're not going to allow it. Well, the only reason I say that is because the renegotiations, they might put it in permanently, and they won't be renegotiating until the current deal is done, just like any other sport. You wait until it's done so that you don't have a lockout, um, and and they figure it out there, but – I'm going to be very disappointed if a, if a new deal strikes and the DH is staying. But I mean, regardless, I mean, if the DH is staying, not in the National League, is what I meant. Yeah, no, I know what you meant, but I mean, 
Regardless, so don't you feel like though the Braves are just being dealt like a unfair hand here by this being the decision? You know, like us as Braves fans, I mean, one of our best players, I mean, Marcelo Zuna almost won the Triple Crown last year. The fact we're not going to be able to resign him now, I mean, he's so bad in the field. I mean, he that you cannot resign him. Like literally, that's like we're literally losing one of the key players to our team. I don't think our I trust Anthopolis and that he's going to do something to figure it out here. So I'm not going to sit here yet and say that we can't be the same team we were last year. But, I mean, not having someone who produces that much in your lineup, you can say we got this guy, that guy. No one is going to be able to replace Azuna off that we have right now. Yeah. I mean, they need a power hitter but to hit behind Freddie. It worked with jo- it worked with Josh Donaldson to win the division and, and uh, you know, get to the um, NLCS. And it, and it worked with Marcelo Azuna. Um, they were that close to a World Series. And they were that close to beating the best team in baseball to get to a World Series. And, you know, I, is it unfa- it's not just unfair to the Braves. Um, I think there's a lot of National League teams that benefited last season with it with an extra batter. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you could look at it a lot of different ways. You could say, well, maybe the Braves GM shouldn't have waited because now uh, Michael Brantley's off the market and George Springer's off the market. And those were the... The top, uh, well, George Springer is probably the top offensive um, outfielder in the market. Ozuna might have been two, and then Brantley maybe three just because of his age. But, you know, I, I don't know where the Braves go from here. If they don't get Ozuna, I don't know where you go from here. I have a lot of faith in Anthopolis. He's done a very good job since he's become the Braves GM. Um, I trust him until I don't trust him. So he upgraded the pitching by bringing back some relievers, bringing in Charlie Morton. He has not addressed the batting situation, the hitter situation yet, but I trust them until I don't trust them. Yep, I'm going to agree with you there. I've heard it's linked to Real Muto. Not going to say anything more on that because I don't want to jinx anything here, but hopefully something or other like that goes through for us. But yeah, it's be interesting to see what we end up doing. We need, as Braves fans, you know, we need something big to happen here so we can. Uh, Everyone else got better. Yeah, that's what I'm Padre, saying. Padres got a lot better, and the Mets have. On paper, the Mets have gotten a lot better. We'll see if the Mets can finally have a season where their pitchers can stay healthy. But the Mets have a tremendous roster. And the Padres got a lot better. And the Braves have not done much. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the Padres got much better. See, the weirdest thing, though, to me with MLB free agency is, like, how the players have been free agents for so long yet no one's signed yet. You know, like, all these other ones, all these other sports, like, we can sit here and do a podcast and be like, oh, well, these, they got these free agents. Let's talk about it. Like, MLB, we really can't, you know, say much because there's still so many more pieces left to fall. Obviously, George Springer being one of the biggest ones has fallen, but, I mean, like, Marcelo Zuna hadn't signed anywhere yet. You know, there's some I – mean, Trevor Bauer hadn't signed yet. You know, there's so many of these – 21 days. Left. 21 days until baseball starts up again. Yeah, it's going to be – yeah, people, I feel like here now that they finally, I mean, I can't believe it took them this freaking long to decide not to use the DH, but yeah, they're going to, if pieces will start falling soon, we'll start talking about a little bit more of that soon. Honestly, I think previewing baseball is one of my most, is one of the most fun ones because there's so much time, you know, in between the season that you kind of forget all these little things that happen, so it's fun to look, kind of look through everything and give the predictions, plus I think it's a little bit easier to predict. I've done, knock on wood, we've done well on it in the past, but Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again and uh, helping breaking everything down with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we appreciate everyone who tuned in. Um, around like Wednesday or Thursday next week, we're going to put out our Super Bowl preview. We want to give you all some time to listen to it. Obviously, it might be a podcast in between then. If not, we'll talk to you all then.